One thing that I liked is the, the narrative structure where you would go to the house and then it was, I, at first I thought it was a flashback, but it was actually a flash forward a little bit in time. Yeah, in some yeah. cases it was a flashback too, which was cool. Exactly. Yeah, we were going kind of back and forth. It's not not linear at all. And yeah. the idea that we want to make you feel, is it a flashback? Is it a flash forward? When is this going on? When is it happening? And, you know, we wanted to take the movie where it, loops back around and does a complete, you know, turnaround. So we start the movie at the wedding and we end it with the engagement proposal. And so that was the idea behind it was for you to, you know, experience this, this at different times. So it wasn't completely linear. We could pull the things out and you could actually place them in and everything would fit chronologically well. We just heard from Timothy Woodward Jr., an actor, producer, and director, talking about his latest Till Death Do Us Part. Filmmakers can craft their films in many nonlinear ways, as this film is. It starts off as one thing and then really becomes something totally different. Characters are not what they seem on the surface, as well as events as they unfold. It's a nice action-horror multi-layered mashup. And this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. And I'm your host, Tony Tolado. Timothy Woodward Jr. in a moment. You think it's a rom-com to start off, and then it slowly turns into something else. Yeah. And, uh, and I really appreciated. How did this uh, idea come to you? I mean, this was a script by two other people. So how did you uh, come across this? Um, Natalie Byrne actually gave me the script because I was looking for something to collaborate with her on. And um, I opened it up. It had a Def Leppard quote in it from Love, the, the song Love Bites, which is awesome. Um, and, you know, I'm automatically I started seeing it when I started reading it. You know, it's written a little more straightforward kind of action. Uh, the like the intro page, first page is like of the wedding. It's like one page. And I was like, you know, if we extend this and started like a 1990s rom-com and we just have a little more tongue in cheek with this and have some fun. This could be cool. This would be fun. It's something interesting for me to do and something different. So I want to, I want to rock and roll and do it. And that, that's how it came about. I'll tell you, speaking of Natalie, she is a force of nature in this film. I mean, yeah, she did really good. Thank you. This is a very physical role for her. Um, and I, I know there were stunt people involved Great. She did all her stunts. She really? did all her stunts, except for the only two things she didn't do. She didn't take the fall from the dirt bike when the fall happened. Um, and she didn't uh, take, there's one overhead slam where you see the body, you have the, you know, her actually gets slammed on her back. She didn't take that. Every single thing else, every backflip, kick, punch, that's all her. Wow. She was absolutely amazing. Another performance that stood out to me, Sir Darius. I thought he was phenomenal. Had this cool element about him that I really like. And I mean, he just brought that to the character, obviously. Yeah, and Sir Darius is very strong. I mean, he's physically big, first yeah. of all. And he's able to play this, you know, where the best man is kind of loud and abrupt the entire time. He's able to play this James Bond very cool, you know, character. And then at the end, you know, you can see why he's kind of the 
top dog, you know what I mean? As far yeah. as, as far as what's happening, you can see when it clicks on him by the piano and he, you know, it's time to take care of business. You see all of that change go away. So mm-hmm. yeah, he did a great job. You mentioned Cam and personally, there's really one, one word that popped into my head. He's just psychotic. Yeah, he was, it was fun. He was fun playing that character. And I, I, you know, one of the things when we met and we talked about it, I said, listen, this is a guy who, if he's in the 1950s, he's living in suburbia where there's like every house is the same. He's cutting his grass. He's going, hey, Tom. Hey, Bill. And he's going inside and he's got probably like a, a cat tied up in his closet, you know, and, and a body in there. And he's literally just going to eating with his two blonde hair, blue eyed kids that look identical to him. And, you know, just just completely off the rails. You know what I mean? And there's a body in his trunk. And, you know, Mr. Sandman is playing the entire time you imagine it. And he got the character right off the bat. And one thing of his motivation, I said, but one thing about him is he wants to be the best at whatever he does. And right now he wants to be the best, best man possible. And that's yes. his entire thing. You know, everything else is tunnel vision right now. He's just literally thinking about that. And he's a romantic. He never gives up on the fact that the wedding is going to happen. Yeah, no, he doesn't, despite everything that happens. It's great. Despite everything, he still wants to see the wedding come true. I like to, always good to see Orlando Jones, too. Yeah, Orlando's amazing. He's, you know, he's a Carolina boy. Is he really? Cool. Yeah, he he grew up in uh, South Carolina and he actually still lives in Wilmington, North Carolina. Oh, uh, Full-time residency, so he's a Carolina boy. Yeah, that's great. Performance that just blew me away. Jason Patrick, he was oh. phenomenal. It was yeah. like, I totally believe this guy, and he's usually playing heroes. And yeah. this guy was just, it, he was just, he was cool, and he gives that monologue about what happened to him on that eventful day. And yeah. uh, it was like, I was riveted. He was just fantastic. Thanks. Yeah, Jason, you know, I worked with him on a movie called Gangsterland uh, about Al Capone. And, um, you know, whenever we needed somebody to bring it, because one side of the movie is very wacky and wild and home invasion. The other side is more grounded and you're finding out backstory and you're finding out stuff. So we needed somebody who could deliver. And when I saw the monologue, when I read it the first time and we started working on it and started figuring out things, I said, look, we need an actor who's strong who can really like deliver this and Jason's that guy, you know, and, and we come up with this thing between him and I, where he was going to have this kind of fake Southern accent because him and his, this character had been on the run. And then, you know, there was going to be a cool reveal where it just kind of dropped. Yeah. And I saw that. It was really does, cool. And it's kind of chilling. You're like, and you know, it all comes together. And, it, and we took our time on getting it together on purpose because that's where the mystery box is if you know what's going on early with that story then you you know every people can say all day long oh we'll get to it quicker no if you, if you knew that you wouldn't be as interested when i pop back you'd be boring so even as much as people are wanting us to get back into the home invasion and get back to that that other storyline ends up paying itself off where you go, oh, and it kind of comes together in a nice little bow, and you realize what we're doing um, when we're going back and forth for that. Because it's it's very contrasty and yeah. going back and forth. And sometimes it can feel a bit like, well, why did they? But if you actually go back and look at the movie, every 
uh, bit that you go when we go to the other storyline is broken up into act breaks, the end of act one, midpoint of the movie, the end of act two, you know, so we, we literally go into those as structurally beat, but, you know, try to tie it all in together at the end. That house, the bulk of the movie takes place in that house. Yeah. And where did you find that? That place was amazing. Man, trying to find that in the middle of Los Angeles. You talk about <laughs> a diamond in the rough. You know, we had looked at a lot of things. Uh, the original script called for a log cabin and, you know, a basement underground. And, you know, we wanted something, though, that was more visually appealing, that had like an old time feel to it that was surrounded by trees. And, you know, one thing that was important is there needed to be multiple entrances and exits from the front of the house. And there needed to be pathways where she could leave from one room to the other by the roof, you know, and this house had all of those things in it. So we went in and did a lot of production design to decorate the inside where we could have lights everywhere. Because if you look at it, every light, every room has its own lighting schematic that was set up. So you know where you're at in the house. Um, but it's, it's, it was just a cool, unique home. And it was like the wood was built out of like from an old pier that was here wow. in California. Yeah, and they'd like taken the wood and built the house, and yeah, it was a radical home. Yeah, I, I totally worked. Thing that I liked is the the narrative structure, where you would go to the house, and then it was. I, at first, I thought it was a flashback, but it was actually a flash forward a little bit in time. Yeah, in some cases, know, it was a flashback too, which was cool. Exactly. Yeah, we were going kind of back and forth. It's not not linear at all. And yeah, we want to make you feel: is it a flashback? Is it a flash forward? When is this going on? When is it happening? And you know, we wanted to take the movie where it loops back around and does a complete you know turnaround. So we start the movie at the wedding and we end it with the engagement proposal. And so that was the idea behind it was for you to, you know, experience this, this at different times. So it wasn't completely linear. We could pull the things out and you could actually place them in and everything would fit chronologically well, but we just didn't want to do it that way. You know, we wanted it structurally to keep you guessing. So, you know, we threw, threw, throw you right in the mix of it and it kind of keeps going. No, it all, it all fit in really well. Boy, that wedding dress. Oh, my God. It, it hurt to see a, a beautiful dress like that go through what it goes through in this movie. Four of them, two, <laughs> two other lookalike dresses for wide shots. Uh, I mean, that dress by the end was spray painted and everything because it, it got so stained in certain scenes where it was supposed to be able to be washed and the wardrobes, oh, you know, I can't wash it. So there was there was one moment where... We're at this church and we have to get it straight. So they literally were using nail polish and paint. But one of the people went and got glow in the dark paint. So I had a lighting schematic in the room where the bride was getting dressed and she goes to walk out. And there was a shadow where she goes to walk out and goes out into the church. I had to kill the shadow lighting because you could see her dress glowing where the white paint was glowing the dark paint, but they had to paint the dress back. So I had to kill that spot and go a little brighter so you couldn't see it. But yeah, it was a, that was a challenge. I mean, because it goes through certain various rip, unrip, bloody, more bloody, you know. So it was a, yeah, it was a challenge for sure. For people that I like to count buckets of blood, I mean, this 
this one had gallons as far as I'm concerned. Oh, that was a lot of blood. Yeah, we were we were trying to, you know, have fun with it. I mean, that was the idea, to have as much fun as possible. Shooting, how much time did you have? I think I did this in 18 or 19 days. Whoa, that's a lot. Yeah, so I had I did four I had four weeks to to do it. Uh, originally it was 15 and we ended up going over three days. So I think I had three days in a B unit day extra. Mm-hmm. So it was 18, 19 days to be able to rock and roll. So luckily. The fight choreography was first rate and you got one of the best in the business to do it. Mr. Yeah. John, I mean, he yeah, yeah. worked on Westworld and so many other projects. Uh, how did he, uh, how did you get him? He had worked with Natalie before, uh, and then he actually worked with me on this last season. I do a show for Amazon Prime called Studio City, and he'd worked. Now, we did this fake uh, 1980s movie inside of the show where the actor was on it, and Arnold helped me put together that fake movie, and he's actually in it. And he stunned Corey. You know, he did he did that one. So we, you know, automatically when we were doing this, called him up immediately and said, "Hey, do you want to come in? Do you want to have fun?" Let's rock and roll. And he said, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, his staging of the fights was first rate. I mean, you believe there were punches thrown. And the, the fight at the end of the movie between the two of them was just absolutely fantastic. It was, uh, I'm not going to say you. which two, but it was really, really well done. Thank was, you. Yeah, thank you for not saying which two. Yeah, no, no, we can't, can't give anything away. There's more until death do us part in just a moment. Now, logistically, I, I like to think that way for movie production. So I would think you would shoot either first or second and the house. You do all the scenes in the house for however days you need to. And then Correct. you go to the to the coast in California and do like the coast, the, the pseudo bar, the church and all that. Is that how it worked that's, out? That's exactly how it worked out. Yeah. yeah. So that was... So that was part of it, uh, too. That's, that's, you know, it's it, nothing has ever shot the way it looks. No. No, and I wanted this to be where we were shooting once since there's two storylines. So we actually did the house. Then we did the church right after the house and the wedding. Uh, and so that part of the storyline was wrapped up. And then we went into because this is almost unlike some of the other projects that is almost like it's two different films because the contrast is so different between the oh, yeah. home invasion part and the other part of it. Uh, so we did that afterwards. Like it's its own movie afterwards. The locations, um, the, uh, was, was this really in Puerto Rico? <laughs> no, that was in California. We had to make it look like Puerto Rico. We found a private beach. You know, I, I, well, the irony of that is that I visited Puerto Rico the year before and I was actively looking for a script that I could shoot in Puerto Rico because I thought it was beautiful. So when yeah. I got this, I said, yeah, I'm shooting this in Puerto Rico. Of course, it's a different you know, part of the movie. I don't have to have the continuity tie-in. I'm shooting this in Puerto Rico. And then logistics, uh, economics, and other things came into play. And we yeah. said, you know what? Let's rock and roll with it in California. And so... You know, we found a really secluded beach that looks very cool. That's private that we could block off, and we found places that we could do stuff with, and we tried to make it look like Puerto Rico. Yeah, no, it was cool. One of the things I liked is the university. At first, you think it's one thing, and then 
you realize what it really is. And I thought that yeah. was really clever on how you, you do that. Again, you're flipping what you thought. That he's a you first you think he's a teacher at the university, but he's yeah. a heck of a lot more than that. Yeah. And that was the idea was to have something again where you don't know who these people are. You don't know what they are. Uh, you don't know when things are taking place. And we wanted the idea of this world creation again. You know, this movie doesn't exist in a, in a world like we live in right now, per se, right. where it's that it lives in its own genre world. And we wanted to make sure that that was bleeding through. And there's that world. And, you know, if this movie does successful, I told everybody I'd love to I have some ideas and I'd love to jump back into it to do that. And we had a cameo lined up that it didn't work out for the, the chancellor. of uh. that. And I'm hoping it'll come to light. And we're actually doing a premiere and he recorded a special message from the premiere. But uh, very famous martial artist. Uh. Big guy from the 90s was a superstar, huge superstar. And he does the split kick, the split, split punch and the roundhouse kick like no other. And he was going to make a cameo as the chancellor at the end, making the call to add a little comedy to it and a little throwback. So uh, but that world is there. And, you know, it'd be fun to explore it. The last shot of the movie leaves an opening. And uh, yeah, that was that. That was there. I'm glad you glad you saw that after the credits, because I was worried when I put that in there. I was like, damn, I don't know if anyone's going to see it, but it was, it was kind of just for fun. Well, I'm one of these people that sit through the entire movie, whenever, awesome. even when I go to the movies and just sit there and go to the very end. And it, it, hey, look, these days with Marvel, you kind of have to. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, so uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it, it was really, really cool. You know, it seems like you've done your fair share of Westerns. What's the, uh, what's the appeal to you for that? I grew up watching Westerns. You oh, know? yeah. Um, you know, I'd go over to my grandmother's house on a Saturday and, you know, my grandpa would have on Gunsmoke and all the, all the classics all the time. So, you know, when I got to Hollywood, I wanted to start making some of these period pieces. This one was my first Western right here, Traded. And then yeah. I made Hitchcock and I made The Outsider. And, uh, you know, I just liked the period pieces. But when I first walked on my first Western set, and, you know, it was in the middle of nowhere. The town is there. There's these smaller buildings and you got no cell service. Wind is blowing. It was just a magical feeling. It's so fun to have this world creation. And I really like doing that, like, you know, creating worlds and stuff like that. So it was fun. I like doing Westerns a lot. I think what people don't realize is that the imaginary Westerns are far more interesting than the real one. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Well, a lot of people don't realize that the Wild West was not the West. We're not talking about California. It was right. middle America, you know, it was Kansas, stuff like that. That was what they called the West back then. It yeah. wasn't uh, Nevada. It wasn't California. It wasn't anything that we think of when we think of West Coast. Uh, you know, it was very not hilly, very flat. But the idea of where the hills come from is because everything's shot in California. So yeah. when you're making Westerns, you know, and you're going off of that, because of that, people see all the hills and the stuff like that. I mean, it was the San Francisco gold rush and there was things like yeah. that about the outlaws and Jesse James and all that stuff that took place in Missouri and in Kansas and places like that, not in, you know, California or nowhere what we consider West Coast. Mm -hmm. But very cool, you know, 
world seeking and just, you know, people didn't know what was happening and stuff like that. So it's cool. It's still very cool to do Westerns. Do you have a favorite Western that not necessarily a TV, but a, a movie? Unforgiven. Yeah. Oh, what a great movie. Oh, Easy. my God. You know, I've yeah. killed women children and now I'm here to kill you a little bit. Oh, man, that's such you a know. great line. It's, and uh, the fact that he has to be drunk to kill. Absolutely. You know, he becomes a whole nother person when he's drunk. It's cool. Yeah. And, and he holds on to that at the end. And Morgan yeah. Freeman, you know, what happens to his character. And oh, that sets him off. Speech in the rain. And, and, you know, the gun, the misfire, the throw, the, you know, all of it is just so good. You know, yeah. I love this song too because it was a classic, but Unforgiven is just like a. That's a, a special one. one. That's great. special. Yeah. It's a whole other level. Not to dwell on this too long, but my favorites are probably um, what I grew up with, Magnificent Seven, because it launched so many careers. Yeah. And really more recently, I keep, it keeps coming on TV, Tombstone. And part of it is also the amazing performance by Val Kilmer in that movie as oh, Doc yeah. Holliday. I'll, I'll be your Huckleberry. And, and actually, he said that. The real Doc Holliday actually said that. Nice. So, yeah, that's and, a, and that's a not, I don't want to go off on this, but the scene where uh, essentially uh, Earp starts killing people and just running out into the into the water saying, no, 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 that actually happened. So that yeah. was really wild. They did a lot of good historical stuff. Well, that scene at the OK Corral took place, though, but it's only about 25 seconds. Not like uh, Yeah, I know. I know. That's really the way it was. It wasn't that long. Very fast. You know, it wasn't, wasn't that long. But no, I love Tombstone. Um, you know, you mentioned the Magnificent Seven, the original. So yeah. the writer of Hickok, Michael Lanahan, wrote the original treatment for Hickok with that writer. He was oh, his wow. teacher at a school in California here. And they wrote it together. He had passed away and the property, the IP had belonged to Michael Lanahan. So that's, but yeah, so, so that the Hickok, one I did with Luke Hemsworth, Chris Christopherson, Bruce Stern, Trace Adams, yeah. has uh, that DNA on it too. So yeah, that pretty- that's going to be on my list. I got to see that. I definitely yeah, check it out. It was, it was fun to make. I mean, I made it five, six years ago. So I've grown, but it was, it was a cool movie to make. Editing wise, how long did you have to put this together? Um, a little longer than I normally would, which was nice. I started editing it actually a little bit while we were shooting in June. And so I edited from July until November. So I had five months to really rock and roll because I, you know, was very specific about the songs. I had already picked a lot of these songs out ahead of time. I'd already said, look, I want, I want this, you know, the whole 1950 style with the music was picked out since the conception, you know, the actors had a playlist on set of what was going to be going on. And uh, so, you know, I, I took my time going in and tweaking and stuff like that for sure. Do you think that's an advantage to actually begin editing while you're still shooting the movie? Um, I think so. Some you you get an idea for me. I edit myself anyway. So I edit each shot in my head. You know, a lot of the fight stuff, I didn't even shoot two angles. For example, like one scene where one of the guys backhands uh, the, the, the bride, I stayed on that shot so you could see the hit and you can see her face turn into camera for the impact. I didn't even shoot the other side of that, for example, because I'm shooting it for my edit. So I like to make sure that, you know, I don't that the editor from the beginning has what I want, because if not, they end up doing what they want, kind of. And they're going in and, you know, grabbing a bunch of stuff and saying this. 
And, you know, the, the issue is sometimes you can be convinced or strayed away from your original thought because you go, oh, that's not that bad. Okay, I like it. But usually what I, I find is if I know what I want, I shoot what I want, at least if it's not good, I die on my own sword instead of, you know, watching something four or five times and then going, I like it now. You know what? And then there's sometimes where you have these collaborations with the editor where, you know, they have a great idea and something works really great. You go, wow, that's cool. But I feel like when I've got my finger on the pulse a little bit more, and when I say, you know, while it's happening, not the entire movie, but, you know, some action stuff and some other things were going on. And we had like an assembly that was going, but it was a very rough assembly. So I just like to have my fingers on the pulse of that the entire time because I feel like the edit's so important. Oh, oh yeah, it's really what makes the movie. If, yeah, I mean, sure. well, first you have to have what they say, the coverage, of course. Yes. And yeah, it's actually sure. better to have more than less yeah. when you're cutting. So this way, it's easier to cut something than to say, we don't, we need more here and yeah, absolutely. And you don't want to do reshoots either, you know. That, no. That's that's a whole other animal. Budget-wise, uh, I guess you tried to keep it everything to a, a fairly manageable uh, amount. Yeah, yeah. We didn't have a lot of money. We had enough to to buy a pair of shoes about, and that's it. Uh, <laughs> we, we were, you know, it's a it's a true low budget film, and uh, we just stretched a, a dollar a lot. To make it to make it go, um, but yeah, we 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 was a low budget film. I mean, this uh, this movie is uh, you know just flipped it on its head, and I thought you really did a successful job in kind of creating this world and then showing what this world really was. And uh, Thank you, and again, the action was uh, first rate, and certainly the horror elements are there for anybody to watch and enjoy as well. So. Congratulations on this. It's been a blast talking to you. Yes, you too. And Check out Hickok. Yeah, I will. I, I, that's on my, it's got to be. I mean, I love Bruce Dern and all these people. I mean, you know, yeah. Chris, Mr. Christofferson, great actor. So yeah, thank you again. And one of his last movies. So it's, uh, yeah. it's he's phenomenal in it. And uh, oh, yeah. yeah, God, yeah, he sure is. He's an amazing, amazing artist. All right, buddy. Thank you. And take care. Till Death Do Us Part is in theaters nationwide. Check your listings. But my gut feeling is that you'll probably be able to see it in other platforms as well. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, subscribe to Sci-Fi Talk at Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. You can also enroll for a free lifetime membership at Sci-Fi Talk Plus with early release, exclusive, and uncut episodes. Just click on the link in the show notes, and it's free for a lifetime. This is Tony Tolado. Thanks so much for listening.